Attention everyone, this is an emergency broadcast. The unpleasant noise you are about to hear coming from your radio is not a mistake. Please do not turn off your radio, but turn up the volume on your receiver as high as it can go so that you can make the sound we broadcast as loud as possible. The monsters will now start attacking Tokyo. You may wish to deny it, but your eyes tell you it's true. Sound. I'll turn up the sound so you can hear the monsters dueling to the deck. And welcome to episode 252 of the Kaiju Cast, a podcast 100% dedicated to Godzilla and all of his rubber suited foes. My name is Kyle, and this is the first episode of January 2019, and an episode where we're going to talk about not just some stuff that I did in Japan on my most recent trip, but a whole bunch of news. And to help me do that, I have Gretchen with me. Hi. Hey. How's it going, Gretchen? It's so good. How are you? Well, it's good to have you back. I'm doing well. I'm glad I went to Japan. That was a lot of fun. (laughs) But before we get into any of that, I have a housekeeping announcement. Very important to get out to the listenership. If you are not, especially on the social media networks that we are on, January 13th at 2 p.m., that is Pacific time, we are having our eighth annual KaijuCast emergency broadcast, pumping out live from deep within the depths of Monster Island's headquarters, or KaijuCast headquarters on Monster Island, whatever I would say there, that's what's happening, and we want you guys to clear your calendars and be ready to take part in this. We're going to be broadcasting live. There's going to be a chat room, special guests joining us, prizes to give away. It's always a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. It's Gretchen, you'll be there. I'll be there. With bells on. With bells on. Yeah, we're going to have so many bells on that it's going to be so much noise during the episode that people are going to be like, what's going on here? Yeah. Now, we are not doing that, but we are going to be giving away a lot of stuff in addition to prize packs, which is, you know, something we prepare every year, which are given away using uh, trivia questions and the chat room. We will also have a few drawings where you can win something even if you're not able to listen live. In order to enter that, you need to send in your name, your email address, and your physical mailing address to emergencygiveaway at kaijucast.com before January 10th. Yeah, you don't really have a lot of time, but that's how you'll be able to enter to win the stuff that's not in the prize packs. But this special episode is a big celebration. It's not just about giving stuff away. We're also going to have special guests. I could probably talk about... Uh, a few special guests that we have already locked in. Matt Frank, kaiju illustrator extraordinaire, will be joining us. We're going to be talking about Red Man and a whole bunch of his other projects and stuff. Because he was also recently in Japan, too. He was. He was in Japan right before I was. And I I would be shocked if the subject did not come up. Right. <laughs> and then Kevin Derendorf from the Mazer Patrol blog and podcast will be joining us. He has been indispensable as of late as we've gone back and done some deep diving in some of these episodes. Uh, actually, if you listened to the Attack of the Super Monsters Daikaiju discussion that I did with Sane, Kevin provided a majority of the information about Dinosaur War Eisenborg, which is oh. a crazy show that I didn't know how this movie was made, but it was cut together from that show. Anyway, Kevin provided tons of information on that. 
tons of information when we interviewed Chiaki Konaka. That's right. He, Thank you. Thank you, dude. Yeah, so he's going to be on the emergency broadcast. I'm looking forward to that. Also, Ed Holland from Monster Attack Team Magazine, if all goes well, will be providing a mission report That's on cool. the opening of the Tsuburaya Museum in the Fukushima Prefecture of Japan. He's going to have to stay up so late. Oh, I'm going to have to stay up so late. Oh, wait, you're going to record it with him ahead of time? I'm recording ahead of time. It's not live. (laughs) Bless his heart. (laughs) Thanks for laughing at me. This is what I do for you guys, listeners. I stay up late so that I can connect with people in Japan sometimes. 17 hours ahead. (laughs) Yeah, it is. 17 hours. Anyway, so uh, we're going to hear about that. I can't wait to hear about that because when I go back to Japan next time, I want to hit that museum. Absolutely. Anyway, uh, so I just wanted to give you guys a heads up. It all goes down. January 13th at 2 p.m. Pacific, which of course means 3 p.m. Mountain, 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern. And then if you're in somewhere else in the world, you got to figure that out on your own. Now, let's talk a little bit about my trip to Japan. I went for work, essentially, and I'm, of course, super lucky. This is actually one of those trips where I felt super lucky, right? So Absolutely. Uh, I was lucky enough to go to work in Japan for a few days. And then because I was there, I was able to tack on a tour trip with some friends of mine and show them around Tokyo, which was a lot of fun. I took uh, the spookies is what I've been calling them. (laughs) Chuck Emery and his family. Uh, We went and did all the nerdy kaiju stuff we could in just about a week. It was pretty rad. But one of the things that uh, we did (laughs) actually uh, one of the, we, you know, I took them to the Godzilla hotel uh, we shot some video in the Godzilla Hotel. Mm-hmm. And because if you stay there, which they did stay there one night, if you stay there, you get all this swag. Oh, really? Yeah. So because it's a big deal, right? You stay in the there's only one Godzilla room in that hotel. And if you stay in that Godzilla room, they oh. give you all this stuff. So not only do you get this amazing, cool room and get to sleep in the same room as the as a Godzilla head prop from like 1995, you get you know, little tchotchkes. I actually have a um, a soy sauce dish downstairs from the Godzilla Hotel that I got in 2017 when the Kaiju Cast fanvasion went. Oh, right on. Yeah, so we did kind of like an unboxing video, which the internet loves an unboxing video, let they me sure tell you. <laughs> anyway, uh, we sort of like opened up everything that came in those bags so that people at home could see. And then I did a little panorama of the of the room and uh there's also a special video presentation if you stay in the room and we filmed it so cool. all that stuff's gonna go in a video later on it should be pretty fun uh and hopefully it won't take me too long to get <laughs> produced is it super online. expensive to stay at the hotel yes yes oh, it okay is. <laughs> so i'm a cheap cheap guy when it comes to staying in japan i've realized There are two ways that I feel comfortable staying in Japan. One is at a place called the Sakura Hotel. So something like the Sakura Hotel where it's uh, like I like to say it's one step above a hostel. Right. So it's like a hostel, but you get your own room. Your Mm -hmm. own room has your own bathroom, too, which is also very important (laughs) and not something that's in hostels a lot. So I love that place. It's a great place when you're taking a group there to stay In addition to the Sakura Hotel, I also really have had a lot of great experiences with Airbnbs. Right. The same with me. I had Airbnb. Yeah. And I've actually, 
I've stayed in more Airbnbs in Japan than anywhere else. That's funny. You know, because like we stayed when we went down to Los Angeles for Monster Palooza, that was an Airbnb we stayed in. Oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah. But I've only stayed in a couple here in the States and in Japan, I've stayed in like four or five. So uh, it's a great option. In fact, if you're planning a trip to Japan, I would absolutely look into Airbnbs. The only trick with Airbnb is you really want to get someplace close to a station. That's sort of how they gauge i guess how much money they charge i think but uh oh, really i that's what i think at least i'm not exactly sure but like i've gotten places for as little as 30 dollars a night oh wow but it was 20 minutes away from a station it was a like a 15 minute walk to the station and then that station was like a i don't know 15 minute yeah i think 15 or 20 minute ride to shibuya or something okay it wasn't long. It was kind of nice, except when it got crowded. Anyway, that's a different story. <laughs> the The deal is that um, – where was I going with that? You were talking about the places that you would like to stay oh, yeah, when you're yeah. in Japan. And so basically Airbnbs are essentially just people's houses or apartments, and I've had a lot of really great interactions with the – not with the people while I'm staying there, but before I get there. Everything seems fine, and then I get sure. there, and almost every time, everything is awesome. In fact, the last place I stayed, I did actually stay in an Airbnb for a couple nights in this last trip, and uh, that was when I was there for work, specifically. That Airbnb had an amazing Western-style bed, so I didn't have to sleep on a futon on the floor, <laughs> <laughs> which can be uh, difficult if you're you know, a big, heavy guy like me. You guys stayed in an Airbnb when you went, right? Uh-huh. Did you have a good experience or a bad experience? Ours was great. I mean, the kid and I, we had a, I mean, everything was furnished by Ikea. So, yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. The same one, same, exact same thing for this last one I was at. It was like every single thing, every stick of furniture was Ikea. Every Or as they say in Japan, Ikea. Ikea. <laughs> it was definitely like the only complaint we had was that our pillows were super flat. Oh, and yeah. They were hard to sleep on if you were sleeping on the bed. And that, I mean, really, ultimately, it was great. I mean, we were, we could, when you walk out the front door of our apartment building, yeah, there was a station across That's the street. Awesome. That's awesome. It was super easy to get to. Yeah, mine was pretty easy to get to. And I'm getting, you know, the more I go, the more comfortable I get going yeah. there. So get your visual vocabulary down. and Totally, yeah. In fact, I mean, this last trip, it was almost as if I stepped off of, stepped on the plane in Portland, off the plane in Japan, and it was like familiar territory i just kind of went through the motions got on the bus and and headed into town so you ride the bus oh sorry that is totally off subject we will talk about that another time that's cool i'll say it yeah Yeah. because i ride we rode the train i've done both and that was like is that cheaper to ride the bus it's about the same it sort of depends so the thing that i like i like the option of going the train route or the bus route for listeners out there there's a bus called the airport limousine that takes you from Narita airport to different areas in Tokyo. So you can get on a Shinjuku bus or an Ikebukuro bus or some other kind of bus. And it'll take you to some major hotels in the area. In Ikebukuro, the Sakura hotel is kind of close to one of those hotels in Shinjuku where I was staying was not super close, but I, I sort of like, I had two suitcases with me and a backpack, and I just kind of wanted to not have to stress about getting all that stuff on the train. Mm. 
If it's just one suitcase, it's no problem. But then again, the other cool thing was as soon as I got out of customs and immigration, it was like four o'clock and the next bus left at 410. So I didn't even have to really wait that long at all to get my ticket, get in line and get on the bus. And then it's literally like an hour and a half of just downtime looking out the window. Kind of like the train in that respect. Yeah. So it's, there's not much difference. And it really is just about the same money-wise. Okay. I want to say that the Narita Express one-way is 2,990-something yen. So about just under $30 if you use my stupid conversion of lopping off the last two digits. Yeah. And then we bought like a ticket thing that was like a um, automatically return home. Like oh a, yeah, so you get the round trip. We, we bought the round trip ticket just yeah. to keep things simple. And the only thing that was stressful about it was that on the round trip back, you do not have an assigned seat. Oh really? So okay. you have to just kind of like they don't care where you move to, just as That's long as you're funny. not sitting in an assigned seat that somebody I already assigned. I wonder if I've bought the round trip without realizing it was a round trip, and then also paid for a one way oh, no. on the way back. But I mean. This, the whole process of going to Japan is you learn what you do right and you learn what you do wrong. Usually what you do wrong first and then what you do right. Right. Uh, but I, I, uh, I, I like the option of taking either. Oh, I'm, and in I've this actually never the best. Yeah. I would, I would think about that next time I go. I mean, when we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it depends on where you stay, right? So what I did is I, I took a bus to Shinjuku station. Basically, it drops you off at the west exit of Shinjuku station. And then I took a cab from there to my Airbnb. It was really fast and, you know, fairly convenient, fairly convenient. Anyway, yeah, I absolutely love going to Japan. At this point, I I feel like it's sort of my second home. Absolutely. As weeby as that is to say. <laughs> uh, let me tell you another reason I feel uh, lucky, and that's because I was invited to an event called the DNA of Tokusatsu I guess I would say opening. There was an opening that happened in Japan. And that's really the meat of what this episode is going to be about before we get to the news. So before we actually get to the the details there of the DNA of Tokusatsu, I thought I would play a song for you guys. So we're going to listen to something from the weird Bukimisha Secret Society before we dive right into this DNA of Tokusatsu exhibit and how amazing it was. Oh, <laughs> 
Okay, so Gretchen, as I mentioned, I feel very lucky in sure. this trip to Japan for many reasons. But let's talk about the the one that's compelling me to record this episode. And that is that I was invited, and I'm very happy and very thankful to have been invited to this event, to the opening ceremonies for the DNA of Tokusatsu exhibit that literally started open to the public the day I left. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it was really, first up, really cool. I got to thank Yuji and Michi from M1 Toys. They were just like super awesome. They invited me there. Not only did they invite me there, they inv- they introduced me to a bunch of people, which was really so incredible. Cool. Uh, the event was absolutely breathtaking on many levels. Um, the amount of props that were on display the people that were there, everything about it was just fantastic. I actually have my DNA of Tokusatsu sort of souvenir book from a previous exhibit here, and I'm going to flip through it a little bit as we're talking, sort of refresh my memory. Uh, but, I mean, you you got to see the video. Well, yeah, footage. so also watching your Instagram story, like the red carpet ceremony was so good. Oh my gosh. So good. <laughs> Couldn't hear everybody, but it's like, I recognize the faces because some of them are like Facebook friends and whatnot. And then it's like, oh, that's, oh, that's. Yeah. Oh, Teriyoshi Nakano was there. Like, um, and I introduced myself to him straight up. I, I, I was like, I have been wanting to meet Teriyoshi Nakano for years and years. I mean, I've been doing the podcast for 10 years now, and I've been wanting to meet him ever since I started, basically. Oh, wow. Ever since I realized, oh, my God, I could potentially interview Japanese people on this show. Like, I've wanted to get Nakano. He's an old school special effects director that's still kicking. He's still kicking around. Anyway, it First up, the people that were there blew my mind. I've seen pictures of the opening ceremonies from other openings of the DNA exhibit because it's bounced around from different city to different sure. city. Really, this is the first time it's been in Tokyo. So think about, you know, like when we went down to Los Angeles for Monster Palooza. Right. Monster Palooza can get so much talent because of its proximity to Los Angeles. Right. So much talent is already in town that they can just be like, hey, who wants to do a cool show? And then it's well, like, apparently Ben Faruya <laughs> yeah, can go right. to all the things. Ben Faruya goes to everything now. It's awesome. He's uh, awesome. He was there. He was there at the, at the DNA of Tokusatsu exhibit. Anyway, uh, so essentially, he was there and everybody else was there. Like, so many people, like people I had never heard of, but when they talked about, when they introduced them, I'm like, Zone Fighter? I know that name, you know, and just hearing them come up with signing the big board was hearing them come up, get introduced and then signing the big board was awesome. Anyway, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about who I met a little bit later. But the the cool thing about this this exhibit is it's set up in zones. I don't know if that's necessarily the cool thing about the exhibit. The cool thing about the exhibit is the props on display. Uh, and not everything is a prop. Not everything that they have on display but is actually screen used. That, Some of it's remade by people. Oh, like, so, like the, the King Geeter Ahead? The King Geeter Ahead. Man, I'm so disappointed that wasn't a screen used thing because, I mean, I just saw like the like what I could see from your video and uh, I was all, Actually, oh. you should be happy because if it was a screen used prop, It'd it be would be so up. sad looking. I know, so like sad or something. And I mean, I've seen the screen used head from King Kong Escapes from 1967 and whoo bad shape it's in real bad shape uh, but 
you know, you got to sort of understand. I think they even had everything labeled, right? So was Mechagodzilla? I mean, was that one screen used? Yeah, Mechagodzilla was screen used. And that one looked pretty been, good. It's been restored. Oh, but it's still like, I mean, it's in great shape. Oh, the Mechagodzilla. Okay, so Zone One. Let's start with Zone One. Zone One was basically Shin Godzilla. Cool. They started with the new stuff. Right when you walked in, they had that huge Shin Godzilla statue, which I've actually seen before. When we were the when the fanvasion was there in 2017, there was a pop up shop that was in the Ginza district, and Jessica and I went and checked it out because everybody else was too tired. <laughs> <laughs> they wanted a break from all the running around, and Jessica and I were like hardcore enough to be like, "No, let's go do this!" And so we went, and they not only had Godzilla stuff for sale, but they had that Shin Godzilla statue on display. Nice. So I got a couple of pictures with uh, from the past trips with her and me in that in front of that guy. And it was cool to get another picture in front of that statue. Uh, and seeing the board, actually, which was right next to the statue where everybody signed, it's like, can I please take this and just put it up in my house? It's like legacy of of historical tokusatsu creators on that board. It was cool seeing how many people walked up that red carpet. Anyway, we as you walk through the uh, Shin Godzilla statue... Walk next to it, walk past it, I guess is what I should say there. When you walk past it, you go into the rest of Zone 1, which is all about Shin Godzilla. So they have, like, the poster on display. They have concept art on display, including CGI renderings, like wireframe renderings of your boy Kamada-kun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, which, by the way, did I mention that it was in Kamada? You actually get oh, off I at about Kamada that. Station... You told me about that, and I totally forgot. Yeah, I think I mentioned that in the story too. But yeah, you get it's at Tomata Station, and it's like a three minute walk from the station. My my And then they actually had on display the screen used, screen filmed tail spoiler explosion at the end of the movie. Oh, no kidding! With you all could, the little oh, dude, creatures. it was crazy to see it in person. It was so cool. Like esque of close. Yeah. It looks actually, you know, what's funny is like um, there's an artist in Japan. He's been he's a modeler in Japan and yeah. he's been doing these hyper detailed model dioramas essentially for decades, for yeah. decades. And it looks like he worked on it. Oh, he, wow. he always does kind of like a lot of stuff with like big spiky things and like um, he'll do like little thin glue strands coming off things to make them look wet and, and goopy and stuff like that. Anyway, it looked like he worked on it. It was fantastic. Plus, they had the big Shin Godzilla sculpture that they scanned, which was the sort of goldish-looking one. I think that's the one they scanned, if memory serves me correctly. Uh, anyway, they had that, and then they had the sculptures for both Kamada-kun and... The red one? Shinagawa-kun. Yeah. Shinagawa-kun. Woo! Almost lost my nerd cred there for a second. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, and and uh, in addition to having Shin Godzilla stuff on display, the other side of that room, which I think is technically Zone 2, was where they had stuff from the beginning of Godzilla. So the, the entryway to this exhibit starts with the new and then slams you into the old. You see the Oxygen Destroyer, so cool. storyboards from the original Godzilla, a film canister that has had the original film in it. It's we, it's crazy. Some of the stuff seems so benign, like, oh, well, 
what's the big deal about that? Well, that held one of the reels from the original right. Godzilla, you know. And this, uh, the they had a cannon on display too, right? Like cannon arm, which just looks like a tube, but it's one of the original cannons from the first Godzilla movie. They, I want to say they had something from almost every Godzilla movie on display. I feel like I I didn't see a couple of movies represented, but uh Still keeping in that first decade of stuff, they had a flying Varan prop, <laughs> which, which you I really like. <laughs> I really love. First up, it's it's so common cute. knowledge that I kind of hate the flying Varan just <laughs> in general. As you can see, I like Varan. I, this, right. I mean, he's he looks so amazing. He's badass. He looks so cool. He's just not that great of an actual movie uh, kaiju. It's just his design yeah. is amazing. But, you know, that flying Varan prop, it's I've always thought that that's the worst aspect of the characters, that he flies and looks like a goofy little flying squirrel. Well, but it's his underbelly is like there's just nothing to it. It's huge. Yeah. It's so big. And they also had a Varan head on display, which I am positive was a recreation by Murase, the Keizo Murase, the suit maker. Yeah. Uh, they had a whole bunch of stuff from Battle in Outer Space, like the ships they used. Uh, Mysterians, they had like the Mysterian saucer, Atragon, the Gotengo was oh, on wow. display. And, and you know what? Like, <clears throat> so if you watch Atragon, there's this part, I don't know, it's a part that I sort of hyper obsess over where the heroes are in the police station and the police station has delivered a message from the Mu Empire. And it's a canister, not a canister, it's like a tin. And the top of the tin says Mu. <laughs> and they had that on display. And, and anyway, the funny part about it, the reason I obsess over it is that they open up the canister and it's a film and they play the film and the film shows them the Moo Empire and why they should surrender. And I've always thought, man, like a it's propaganda so film? cool that the, <laughs> that the, uh, that the culture of Moo also has like film studies and they, <laughs> they can create their own. They have like a film studio. Like I would love to see a Moo Empire film, like actually see what it, it would look like. But anyway, so they had, they had the canister, the tin. That's awesome. On, like for, I just loved it. I loved it. Anyway, the, so that was like the first room. And then the second room, uh, it kind of extended into more of the Showa era stuff. They had the Mothra twins on display. That's cool. Uh, the, the uh, Monster Zero stuff. That's where you were asking about the Ghidra head. Yeah. They had the um, the son of Godzilla head. What was left of the... Sorry, not the son of Godzilla. That sounds like I'm talking about Minya. The movie, Son of Godzilla. Yeah. They had what's left of the Godzilla head oh. from that. Another movie from 1967. It's... Very sad looking. Uh, yeah. If you don't remember what it looks like, I can show it to you later. <laughs> but very sad looking. And uh, I, don't, I mean, just I don't want to go into everything that they had, but they just had this incredible walkthrough of the history, this rich tapestry of tokusatsu history. So as every step you take, there's a new item to look at. And you can sit there and see... In most of it, the work that went into this. How long did you get to stay? Oh, I showed up at four o'clock and I was there till seven. Was it at close at seven? No, no. I just at, at seven o'clock, I was like, I've shot. I feel like I've shot so much for. Oh, yeah. First up, that's a, a, not first up because we've already covered so many things. I would also like <laughs> to say 
I feel very lucky that I was allowed to film in this exhibit because so many of these exhibits that happen in Japan have a very strict no filming policy, no photos policy. I don't know what that's like after opening night, if they enforce that kind of thing there or not. But we're going to have a video that shows video footage of walking around the actual exhibit. So cool. so happy that I was able to film for that long. And yeah, by the time I was ready to go, I'm like, the only thing I could do is interview people. And there's so I mean, people are basically walking around having fun. I got to introduce myself. And I feel happy that I was able to do that. Did you give out cards? Yes, I did. Good job. <laughs> yes, I did. Uh, I specifically, actually, we can talk about that now. Well, now let's continue talking about the zone. So you kind of move through the 60s. You see some stuff from uh, uh, 1969, so that era, right? So it was Latitude Zero and some stuff from Godzilla's Revenge. Uh, mostly, though, the cooler stuff from like on display was from the 70s movies, the 1970s films. So specifically the jet Jaguar mask, Hedra's eyes, Titanosaurus. I saw head, Hedra's eyes. Mechagodzilla's so brain. And not to mention the Mechagodzilla suit. Holy crap. That thing was amazing. So many cool things on display. Unfortunately, I don't remember if they had anything from Godzilla vs. Gigan, one of my favorite movies from the 70s and from the Godzilla series. But then you would move into the next zone, which was all about Godzilla 1985. So they had a maquette, they had a, a truck on display, a whole bunch of stuff, and you just sort of move through that next era of Godzilla movies. They had the Godzillasaurus from King Ghidra. They had uh, they're the, the Godzillasaurus head, I should say. <laughs> uh, they had, I, I'm pretty sure there was a Mothra egg. You I know, saw Minya's egg. There, were, that can't be like, there was a little Godzilla, like a full, si full scale little Godzilla, fig like the suit was on display. Oh, wow. Yeah, the sort of chibi looking one. And then uh, they had, uh, uh, also they had, Oh God, what was it? Mechagodzilla maquettes, which was really cool. I think the fire Rodan head was also on display. They had Space Godzilla's head and Mogera's head both on display. That's cool. So, I mean, I guess if they can't save the suit, then they save the heads. Yeah. Now, one of the things that I would say is that I feel like there are several sources for these, right? Mm. So the DNA of Tokusatsu exhibit utilizes some collections right so some of these so like you know like when collections? you go when yeah when you go to a museum and it says sure. from the private collection of such and such i don't know if it says that on the placards here but i have also seen a full-size space godzilla suit on display when i went in 2014 but it's not so i think that there's somebody who has a space godzilla head and somebody who has a suit so oh, okay sometimes the suits are available but they you know anything from that series, the sort of versus series that happened in between 85 and 95, that stuff is essentially, um, it's ripe for disarray. It's, it's ripe for disrepair is what I should say. Those things could fall apart very easily. Sidebar, like how you said, versus series. Yes, I am trying to stop saying the Heisei series. Because Nicely it's, done. It's not really right. And we'll talk about that at the live show, I think. <laughs> uh, anyway, so the you move through the Versus series movie props. Nicely done. Uh, and, and you move into the Millennium Era. So they have like 
the Godzilla 2000 on display. They have um, a whole God. They have a bunch of stuff on display from the Millennium series. They had the full size Kiryu suit, which I had also seen before, but I got a picture with uh, my buddy Shinji Nishikawa in front of that. <laughs> I'm sort of saying that in jest because he, he was very. It was really cool that he wanted to get a picture with me in front of the Mechagodzilla suit. Yeah. That was like very apropos. I thought and yes. it was. It was nice to see him there. He was another guy. You know, we re- it's funny because we just launched that episode where I interviewed him yeah. while I was in Japan. And so like three or four days later, I see him and I was like, Nishikawa-san. <laughs> and I was like, let's get a picture. And he's like, oh, by Mechagodzilla. Or he said, by Kiryu. But uh, the rest of the DNA exhibit is great as well. They have a whole bunch of stuff from the Millennium series. And then they had more stuff on display. I think they had some, they had a ship from the Godzilla Island series on display and some masks from some of the Sentai shows that Toho produced. I will tell you, overall, I was a little surprised that they didn't have any Ultraman stuff on display. Because I feel like in the past, I've seen both Ultraman stuff and Godzilla stuff on display at they the didn't? DNA. I didn't see any. They had a section that was not Godzilla, but I felt like that was more like Zone Fighter... And some of the other Sentai series that Toho has made. Weird. Do you think it's? Yeah, I'm not sure. I'll have to watch the video. Maybe, maybe they're just sort of capitalizing on the fact that so many people from Toho are still available to come. Well, and also that whole legendary Toho film coming out. You know what? Nothing. That whole I don't even know the legendary film coming out. They're so popular. Oh, they're they're pushing Godzilla. Yes, yes, Godzilla's. You know, yeah. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, it is, it is happening this this year. So maybe maybe that's why I don't know. But it's not upsetting because holy no. smokes, how many stuff that they have out. In fact, let well, me, let Ultraman's me actually, more pervasive in Japan for honestly, sure, and than... Ultraman gets a lot more play in the f- sort of festival circuit. Like totally. you can go to Ultra Festival every year and see a whole bunch of stuff on display. I mean, you Ult- see Kaiju Sakawa's there. Yeah, yeah. I see Ultraman like on like cell phone commercial ads and Shibuya, yes, yes. things like that. It's like, so I, I didn't see any Godzilla. As a matter of fact, remember how I was in Tokyo and managed to not mm-hmm, see mm-hmm. the Godzilla hotel. So weirdo. Yeah. Yeah. How that happened. I don't know. I don't know. It's called children. <laughs> Your children, they make you do the things that, you know, you miss stuff. Well, the thing I would say about the, um, the, the lack of Ultraman being there is that I'm hoping that in the future I can see this exhibit again and that it'll it'll be a different configuration Maybe of those so. props. Maybe there will be Ultraman in another one, but I'm not upset at what I saw. I, I do want to cover one more thing that I saw, which was pretty awesome. They had sort of a busted up cityscape in the back of the room, not the cool. back of the room, but the back of the exhibit. And not only was there a busted up cityscape, there was a Godzilla there and there was a Mothra hanging up next to it. They had sort of like an underwater looking scene where it had the skeleton of Godzilla (gasps) laying down. That's awesome. And uh, the sort of recreated Shodai Godzilla from the 2002 Godzilla X Mechagodzilla film. Mm. That was on display as well. It the whole thing. I want a fish tank with like a oh like yeah a oxygen destroyer Dude, in it. I'm way ahead of you. <laughs> I've been wanting that for ages. In fact, I remember when 
long, long time ago, I used to have a fish tank. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> Didn't maintain it very well. Dave would not be ups- uh, upset, I'm sure, to hear that I am not a fish owner anymore. But the the first thing I thought, I was like, man, wouldn't it be awesome to have like a little oxygen destroyer at the bottom that was like creating bubbler? the bubblers? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that would be rad. Anyway, they, <laughs> that the exhibit overall, breathtaking, breathtaking exhibit. That's cool. Uh, the people that were there was for me a jaw-dropping experience i sat there while the red carpet ceremony was happening watching all these people walk in listening to the names of them as they're being called out and again i don't speak japanese but hearing the name hearing the shows or the movies that they've worked on i get that you know i know enough about that so seeing all those people come in was amazing and my jaw just kept going blunk Blunk, blunk. Oh, wow. Every time I was like, what? Oh, my God. They had uh, Yasuyuki Inoue died of, several years ago. His wife was there. Oh, Yeah. Haruo Nakajima died last year. Sonoe Nakajima was there. Oh, that's nice. It was nice. great. Oh, seeing Sonoe was really great. It was so cool to see her again. How's she uh, she, sees, she seems great. I got to meet Terry Uishi Nakano, as I mentioned earlier. I actually got to meet the designer of like Megalon, Mechagodzilla, Jet Jaguar. That's Akihiko Iguchi. I actually talked about him recently on some episodes and we were already Facebook friends. So I was kind of like, Iguchi-san, uh, Namaiwo Kaildes, Facebook friends. He actually spoke a little bit of English. Like, so Tomodachi Facebook friends. <laughs> yeah, I should have said that. I should have said Tomodachi. <laughs> but I said Facebook. I think I just said Facebook. And he's like, ha ha ha. And uh, we talked for a little bit. He actually does speak English. So Good. hopefully I can get him on the podcast. That would be really incredible to hear his story. Is he like Konaka's like level of English? It was pretty good. Oh, he nice. spent some time in America, nice. apparently, when he was younger. He's so. adorable with his little crocodile Dundee hat in this picture. Well, it was, you know, what's funny is like I, I'm usually really wary of Japanese celebrity names being on Facebook. And I'm very, I try and be very respectful. And, sure. You know, um, but sometimes they, they the requests come in and I was like, is this real? And somebody else I know was like, there's no way that's real. Sure enough, it's real. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. So anyway, he was super cool to talk to. Uh, I told him, I think I told him, I hope I told him that Mechagodzilla was my favorite. His Mechagodzilla was my favorite of the Mechagodzilla said, designs. Ichiban, Tabasca. I did. I said Ichiban. <laughs> like so a nerd. Cute. Anyway, Eve. I got to meet uh, Iguchi-san. I got to meet Tomuo Haraguchi. Tomuo Haraguchi is the guy who has, he's like the most polarizing director I've ever uh, even like seen anything from because he directed my favorite Tokusatsu thing, which is Sakuya Yokaiden, but he also directed Death Kappa. So like, you're like, I'm dying. No, I am really dying to interview him. I would love to talk to him about his, uh, about his work and about what it was like to make Death Kappa. I'm also going to rewatch it in the future. It's not. I, awful. I was the first time I watched it. I was disappointed because of what it was supposed to be at one point. Sure. The second time I watched it, I was still meh about it, and so I'm going to watch it again with sort of not fresh eyes, but less less harsh critical eyes, and uh, we're going to see how that goes. But basically, the deal was, I really do respect Haraguchi. And I got to introduce myself to him, which was great. And I got to tell him that Sakuyo Yokaiden was Ichiban Tokusatsu for me. That was <laughs> that was awesome. And actually, when I, when we were leaving, 
um, I was talking with Michi, who is uh, Yuji's wife, and uh, as Haraguchi walks by, she goes, oh, did you get to, in- to meet Haraguchi? And I was like, I did get to meet him. And she goes, he's so nice. And I was like, he was very nice to me. So everybody was super nice to me. I got to see some people I had already seen before, like Nishikawa, Tezuka, one of the directors from the Millennium Era was there. I got to say hello to him. Yuji Kaida, one of the illustrators that's been working in the kaiju genre. So all these, it was like seeing old friends all day long. I mean, even when I got off the train, I saw Keizo Murase in the train (laughs) station. And then Daisuke Sato came up and said hello to me. And then I walk out of the train station and Sojiro Uchino is there. And it's just like, I was like, these are people I know now. Didn't Ben Furia roller skate by. <laughs> he like went, I, <laughs> went I can imagine him roller skating by. So Ben Furia actually came up to me and said hello and got a picture so with me, which cute. it was really cool. And he seemed genuinely happy to see me. Like I said, like it just, I just felt very welcome. Absolutely, and dude. Very lucky. And I fully realized that I lead a charmed life at this point. I'm not trying to brag too much, but I'm trying to get, get a little bit of the excitement to, to seep through the airwaves here. It's really obvious. <laughs> I mean, you, you've worked hard for this. Thank you yeah. for saying that. Anyway, I don't want I don't want to keep going on and on about this. Let's quit tooting his horn. Let's move on to other yeah. Things. Let's let's talk we about got better news things. to talk yeah, about. Yeah. We got news to talk about. So in fact, because of that, let's actually take a music break, and when we come back, we'll dive right into the news. Godzilla's at Mount Fuji. Gentlemen, our blockade cannot last forever. We must act. The atomic bomb is out of the question. Our only chance is somehow to bring them together. Kong versus Godzilla. If we are lucky, both will die. This is United Nations reporter Eric Carter with the news. The world is stunned to discover that prehistoric creatures exist in the 20th century. The armies have been alerted as we wait for more news from Japan. Oh my gosh, Gretchen. (laughs) The last time we even talked about news, you were here with Rachel, I think. Yeah, I think so. The last time we had a news episode, which was May. 
Ooh, it's been a while. It's been a long time. You know, the, I think the issue here is that a lot of uh, these Daikaiju discussion episodes, I'm trying to consolidate the information to all being about that one movie. Sure. And so because those have been happening every month, the other episode that we record is the one that would have to have the news. And a lot of what I've been doing recently is diving into the archives for these older interviews and popping them into the feed. So, yeah, we, I mean, you get, I don't even I remember the last time you were here for an episode. I haven't been here for a Daikaiju discussion. I mean, like, the last one I was here for was, like, before October. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, it was early October because we did, um, we talked about the HP Lovecraft Film Festival and we did the Konaka one. Right. So that's right. the last time I've been in studio. Well, we did record something that hasn't well, been. that isn't out yet, though. It's not out yet. Anyway, that's coming later. Anyway, uh, we're here to talk about the news now because, holy smokes, there's been a lot of news. Kaiju happenings. Kaiju happenings all over the place, all over the internets. And we're going to talk about one specifically that uh, is just about on everybody's lips, kaiju fan-wise. And that's the new Legendary Pictures Godzilla movie. Godzilla King of the Monsters that's going to be opening in April. The trailer, the most recent trailer dropped, I should say, and actually a whole bunch of different news dropped about this movie from everything from like Tokyo Comic Con to a Los Angeles comic convention. Legendary has really been pushing, doing like an early push for this movie and... And they've done a lot of like interesting like viral stuff with like the monarch things and the small releases that they've doing like the little like breadcrumb trails. Yeah, that you know normally yeah normally I'm kind of into that stuff. Yeah, and I I'm not into it so far as wanting to follow along with it, but sure after the fact I like to sort of look at everything that they threw out and see that whole you know that what they've done as a whole and that's where I get interested in stuff. But this is. It's interesting that they've tied it into an app, but it's not it's not interesting enough to to get me to download the app or yeah. do whatever you have to do in order to keep on top of things because I'm trying not to keep on top of things. Yeah, I honestly, I've kind of been approaching this one differently because the first one I was so interested in knowing about it and then slightly disappointed. <laughs> um, this one, I'm not letting me get my hopes up. And I'm kind of going into it with fresh eyes. I would like to see what Legendary can do with Rodan and Mothra and Ghidorah. I, so far, I'm not super impressed with the imagery I've seen of Ghidorah, but that's just because, like, that's a favorite character of mine. And so mm-hmm. I'm going to be, like, super hypercritical. Yeah. I don't really like the way that he looks. Okay. Honestly. All right. Yeah. Hey, I'm not going to judge you for not liking Ghidorah. I think, well, as we mentioned, I think in an earlier episode, I can't remember what it was. I think it was in actually maybe July or something. Mm-hmm. The 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 previous trailer that they released was almost like the Rodan trailer. And I feel like right. the most recent one they released was kind of like definitely more of the King Ghidra trailer. You get to see a lot more of King Ghidra in this most recent trailer. And I don't want to keep watching these trailers, but what? oh my gosh, it is hard to get away from all the information. And I don't want to completely get off Facebook because I like some of the stuff that's going on on Facebook. But man, totally. There's like two, three days where I felt like my feed was just a solid mass of Godzilla trailer, Godzilla trailer for screen grabs and those posters. Well, of course, they're like, oh, Kyle, you would like this. Same with my friends. My friends are the same way. They're like, Gretchen, you like 
Totally, yeah. So, have you seen this trailer? I'm like, literally, I walked into work the other day, yesterday, (laughs) and somebody walks past me and says, Hey, you know, there's a Godzilla movie coming out. And I was like, No kidding. Are you serious, sir? (laughs) (laughs) That's really funny. So, the movie to me, you know, the first, as a lot of fans know, I didn't really care for the first Legendary Pictures movie. I kind of thought it had a lot of improvements that could have been made. And I was very vocal about that after the movie came out, you know. More monsters. I really didn't like the writing. I really didn't like the character development. I didn't care. I didn't care about the more monsters thing. But, you know, one of the things that I thought would have gone a long, long way towards giving fans what they want to see is to use some of Akira Ifukube's music. Uh, yeah. And in the first film, they should have at least had one cue in there. And I felt like when I hear the response for them from them saying like, oh, well, we are creating our own thing and we we think that you'll love this just as much as Ifukube's stuff. I'm like, no, dude, that's James Bond. This is the argument we've had on the podcast many times. You don't have a James Bond movie without the James Bond theme. Right. Even though you have different... Exactly. Even though you have different musical directors, composers working on these films, come on. You got to use at least a one standard Ifukube theme. You right. don't have to go crazy, but that's what they are doing in this movie. They Shin are... Shin did that. Sure, but that's a Japanese film. We're talking about the American one here. Okay, 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 okay. So in... <laughs> Legendary's new film, they are going to be using some Ifukube themes, which I'm like, Smart. okay, cool. Also, the writer and director are completely different. Mike Doherty did uh, Krampus and he did Trick or Treat, both of which I really kind of like. And they're great films. Even though if I've never said it on the podcast, I totally, when I described Krampus during one of the emergency broadcasts, I res- described the wrong movie. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. There's two anthology Christmas horror films. I got them mixed up. Sorry, internet. But the, <laughs> uh, the I, I do like Krampus. We watched it again this year for Christmas. Nice. Yep. Uh, anyway, so... I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what this guy does. I'm looking forward to seeing what they've created. Uh, what do you think about the other monster designs? You're not a fan of Ghidra so much. I think Ghidra looks okay, but I'm I think you know, Mothra I'm looks beautiful. Judgment. Um, it's Mothra interesting. Some Rodan people I know scary. Some people I think uh, Mothra does not look good. They don't like the yeah. direction. Yeah, too I'm wondering big. if it's a little bit too not too big, but I think too divergent from the original design. Maybe they don't like hmm. how she has sort of like mantis looking arms and stuff like that. Sure. I could see that. Yeah. I don't know how it's going to play out in the, in the theater, What do you theater, think, though. Jeff Dean? Oh. Oh, he's not, not here. here. Ooh. <laughs> you just got G-Chan. Anyway, I don't know. So, I, I don't know. I like the I like the Mothra design okay. Yeah. I, again, all of these Rodan things. looks... Rad. The only one that I was going to say that I know for sure I'm going to love is the design of Rodan. Well, just that scene of him coming out of the volcano at the beginning or, or like whatever part just, of that. Just every shot of him He's in just those trailers. Gorgeous. He looks amazing the, with all the fire like licking off yeah. of his, his wings and everything. Ooh. So it's the thing that makes me the most. I've got the vapors for that movie, you know? Sure. Woohoo, that way Rodan looks. I, I haven't seen him look that badass since 1956's film, you know? 
And like seriously, like yeah. Final Wars was the closest thing we got to a really cool Rodan since 1956. He's had a lot of time to infect somebody with the desire to make an awesome Rodan. And finally, we're getting, I think Rodan's going to be just absolutely gorgeous. I think it's going to be a beautiful film. I mean, and, and all in all. Yeah. I'm, I've been staying away from, like we were talking about this earlier, is like I've been staying away from watching too much about it because I don't want to know too much storyline. So in my head of like, it's going to be about an apocalypse and this yeah. is what it's going to be. It looks it, like it it's going like to get apocalyptic. apocalyptic. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Well, they kind of like make hints towards that at the beginning of the trailer because she's um, doing the voiceover narration, the the like the scientist The thing character. about the Titans, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the thing about the Titans and like the, this is our last chance and like you're like, okay, so is this the end of humanity? Are we watching Maybe. Yeah. And then in the new one, they're like, they're having that uh, government conference. Yeah. So that's uh, what makes me think it might be an apocalypse. So he'd be our pet and, uh, you know, Watanabe. Uh, I think that's his name. (laughs) Sarazawa. Sarazawa. No, it's Ken Watanabe. It's Ken Watanabe is the actor's name, but his character's name is is Sarazawa. Oh, okay. I think. And uh, he says, no, no, we would be his. And it's a... There are these weird beats in these true trailers that came out. This one and the previous one. The previous one, I was like, oh, it looks looks like Godzilla's rising up from the ocean. And he's going to blast people. It's going to be scary. But he, like, fires his beam into the air, and they have this, like, Blue orchestral yeah. Yeah, music. The, and in the this Lalune or something like that trailer, I feel like you also get that sort of same vibe. Like, what are they going for with this movie? So there is an aspect of this film where I'm kind of like, I'm intrigued to see how they play it, you know? And it's more of like, I'm really, that part of me is very skeptical. Totally. But I'm... Going with really low expectations, man. Same thing. You know, I've been pleasantly surprised. (laughs) It sounds so terrible. Lowering those expectations has made me (laughs) enjoy some movies more as of late. Uh... (laughs) Wow. Sorry, guys. But seriously, Rampage, I lowered my expectations like crazy for that. And it turned out to be a kind of fun film. I loved you know? Rampage. That was a we, lot of fun. I loved Rampage. We started Rock. watching Rampage in the in the TV in the bedroom. And then it like got three minutes into it and realized this movie has to be watched on the big screen. So we moved over into this room to see it. But it's, it's totally a lot of fun. Anyway, I think a lot of those movies that are coming out these days... Because giant monsters are getting more, more and more popular, they're going to improve the filmmaking, the storytelling, and hopefully as we continue making these films, we as in the United States, they get better and better. Who knows what's going to happen after 2020 if Legendary is going to try and do any giant monster movies. I know the gods, you know, Godzilla is <laughs> They lose going their back. rights. Yeah, they go back to Godzilla. Uh, go, Godzilla goes back to Toho, but who knows? So they got quite a schedule to be meeting if they're doing this trio they're doing 2019 is godzilla king of the monsters 2020 is kong king kong or you know godzilla versus king kong wow yeah we'll see i know godzilla versus king kong sort of jumping gears to you know more more news about this godzilla versus king kong started filming in hawaii earlier Oh, good. so they're i think they actually started filming late but i don't really follow that stuff too much because i don't want to know any of the spoiler information and Same. we're not going to cover any spoilers here on the show. No. I am going to go ahead and move along to the next item, which is the anime, Godzilla anime. We've seen two of them so far. The mm-hmm. third one premiered in Japan in November. 
and it is now coming to Netflix next week, January 9th, Godzilla Planet Eater. Yay. Godzilla the Planet Eater. Yay, the Planet Eater, not the Plant Eater. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm, I, mean, I don't have, I'm also lowering my expectations for this one too, you know? The previous two films I felt were not great, and I I think the second one's better than the first, and that's not saying a whole lot. That's right, and uh, let's see if this third one's better than the second, and if it says a lot or not. I would like. I thought what was interesting about those in general, and I'm sure we're going to have like a whole podcast talking about all three films, but. <laughs> That's what the live show is now. We're just going to talk about <laughs> nothing but the anime films. Sorry, guys. Just kidding. That is not going to happen. Uh, yeah. Well, I don't we'll know. have time to have seen it between now and the live one. That's true. But we oh, won't talk about that. We, we got to save we it won't. for the actual Daikaiju discussion, which will happen in February. Rad. But uh, yes, Godzilla, the Planet Eater will happen. We'll start streaming on Netflix January 9th. Uh, Sci-Fi Japan has a whole mess of press notes and photos from Toho if you want to check those out. Or you could just wait a few days and see it on just Netflix. Just wait a few days. Um, in a related article, Andrew Nguyen has an, uh, has an article called Godzilla, A History in Animation on Sci-Fi Japan, which is kind of nice. It dives into the history like I just said, of Godzilla in animated form. So he talks it about was really the cool. Hanna-Barbera series. Goji Lando. Goji Lando. I just learned about this. It's adorable. Yeah, totally. So check it out if you want to if you want to know more about Godzilla in his animated forms. And Katsuki. Katsuki and uh, Nick Tatopoulos from 1998's Godzilla appears in the Godzilla animated Godzilla the animated series. <laughs> and uh and then Shinchan, Crayon Shinchan also. Which looks so actually really cool. If you guys have an opportunity to see the um Shinchan stuff, the I should post a link in the show notes. Oh, I totally. Feel, I feel like I've done that before. Well, this but is like the whole thing is it. like yeah. but it's not subtitled everybody, so it is in Japanese, but you get the premise pretty easily by what the you're saying. The animation is super cool. It's really cool. Yeah. God, Shin Godzilla looks amazing as like this animated because I figured it was like kind of being kind of muddy because he's kind of so like sure he's so you know veiny and stuff so uh, hyper detailed yes yes <laughs> yeah. but you figured that yeah. detail even like muddled in an anime format especially like Shin Chan style yeah but this is like super simple yeah. he look kind of stands out you can see all the contrast and whatnot bravo without a doubt uh, also sticking with Godzilla for a little bit. He just celebrated his 64th birthday in Japan. Uh, I originally, I thought they were going to be celebrating in Shinjuku like they did last year. They did it in Kabukicho, right where the Godzilla Hotel is yeah. last year for his 63rd birthday. This year for the 64th birthday, they celebrated in the Ginza District's Hibia Chanter area, huh. where the brand new Godzilla statue, the Shin Godzilla statue. Oh, yeah. Look at that guy over there. Uh, that was uh, unveiled earlier this year, and so they had the celebration there. It sounds absolutely lovely. Uh, I'm bringing up the website right now that talks about it. I'll have a link in the notes to the Mayanichi website where they have a, uh, an article about his 64th birthday. Ah, it looks so cool. Oh, Chibi Godzilla. Yeah, the Chibi Godzilla was there. This, oh, you know, they Rachel. They really are, it, I think she doesn't like this one. What? I feel like I posted this in the Kaiju Core fan group on Facebook, and she said something about not being into it. 
She likes normal chibi stuff. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. Gambare chibi Godzilla Gojira. That's the book, right? Kawaii desne. Okay, that means it's cute, isn't it? <laughs> it is cute. That, there's something weird about this Godzilla that oh, I don't like so as much cute. as other chibi versions that I've seen. Oh, he's in the really past. cute, you guys. Okay, he looks like a kitty cat, like his 1954 nor 1985 face, where he's got that kitty cat nose. Sure, so sure. That's his little. That's his little chibi version. Yeah, he's, it, he's except for so, he's got like he's happy green. eyes, he's bright green. That's okay. Anyway. That's not all they had, because there were all sorts of guests, and they had a talk show appearance, and food. So much food. It sounded amazing. And uh, I would... So, in the past, I've always wanted to go to these kinds of celebrations. Sure. When the lady and I went to Japan in 2013, we were there in Japan on Godzilla's birthday. They didn't do anything in 2013. No It wasn't until... The American Godzilla came out and was a big hit that Japan sort of was like, oh, yeah, Godzilla's cool. We should do something. So in 2014, they had a birthday celebration. 2015, 16, 17, and now 2018, they've done all these celebrations. So, oh, wow. Yeah, next year, sorry, I'm still in that mood. This year, 2019, I'm actually going to the celebration in Japan with oh, the cool. Fanvasion. That's the Fanvasion trip. Oh, you, yeah. you guys are going on we're, birthday? We're going for the first week in November, yeah. Oh, rad. Anyway, so they had a whole bunch of stuff. I'll include <laughs> a link to the show no- in the show notes to this article so you can see everything that they were doing because I can't wait to see what they do for the 65th birthday in 2019. I mean, later this year. Let's move along to some actual products that you could potentially buy. If you are a collector of the hyper-articulated, superposable figures, you might not know, but you might already know, that NECA is making a 1962 King Goji figure. And I'll have links in the show notes to information on Sci-Fi Japan about that. And then also, SH Monster Hearts is also making a 1962 Godzilla figure. They're both available right now. If you're not familiar with those, Gretchen... NECA's figures are like 20, I'm, I'm 20 totally bucks. Not. <laughs> yeah. They're like 20 bucks. Okay. You know? And SH Monster Arts figures are like a hundred bucks, basically. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they they perform the same function, but the SH Monster Arts ones are a little more fancified, right? So they'll be sculpted by someone famous in Japan. They'll feature all these crazy points of articulation, like maybe two or three times the amount that the NECA figure okay. will. But uh, there's just a huge price difference between the two. So a lot of people, I don't collect either, really, but uh, I feel like those NECA figures are a perfect price point to people who want to start collecting Godzilla figures. It's a, and they're being produced now, which is cool. They're like not, That's cool. not super like uh, in demand, or I don't think people are being gouged on the secondary market for these figures. So I think the NECA stuff and the SH Monster Art stuff, uh, a lot of people kind of treat it as like, oh, do you like Star Trek or Star Wars? You know, that's sort of like, do you like Neck or SH Monster Arts? I'd be like, I don't know what other one is. <laughs> Gretchen would be like, get away from me, Kaiser nerd. <laughs> I like this voice that we created. I know. Moving right who's, along. Who's this person? <laughs> I don't know, but he's going to talk all about the Godzilla 94 graphic novel. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I'm going to talk about the Godzilla 94 graphic novel. 
uh, because I think it's really interesting because uh, Todd Tennant is a guy, a, a kaiju fan on Facebook, and he's also, I think, a member of the Kaiju File website. He started cool. creating his own comic based on the 1994 unproduced Godzilla script by Terry Rossio and Ted Elliott. And they have created a full-blown, thick that's, graphic novel. That's a graphic novel for real. I mean, it is like really... I don't have uh, any of them up here, really, but I have a lot of graphic novels downstairs. Like, I buy all the Hellboy ones that come out. Sure. This is like three times as thick as a Hellboy graphic yeah, novel. Yeah, it is. Anyway, it's really well done. Um, I'm going to include a link in the show notes to Sci-Fi Japan's brief sort of announcement article about it, but it's totally worth checking out because if you're familiar at all with this story, it's sort of what I would consider to be the most Godzilla of the American attempts at telling a Godzilla tale. Well, the only reason why I even know about it is because when we did the, for the convention for the Rose City Comic Con in Portland, we did the discussion about films that were never like never went to fruition right and yeah. so this is one of those plots that we talked about or i think dave talked about I'm it pretty sure dave covered dave it, or yeah. jeff i wasn't sure dave covered this one jeff covered the other one okay. <laughs> so there's two like there's two big um actually there's three big american pictures that never happened one yeah. was from before the one was from 94 and one was from the 2000s that's the one you covered yeah the, the to the max to the max the max so anyway uh, i'm gonna have a link in the show notes so you can get to this beautiful beautiful book because it really is worth checking out and if you love this kind of thing i think this book would be up your alley cool i don't know what they say at the end of reading rainbow but i feel like that's what i should say right here but um bam <laughs> <laughs> Shall we move on to some ultra stuff, Gretchen? Heck yeah. So if you... Uh, Bed for roller, roller skating. <laughs> That's the new segue. <laughs> so uh, Ben Furuya, roller skating past, wants to talk about ultra stuff. If you listened to us earlier this year, I think, or sorry, not earlier this year. This is the first episode of this year. Correct. Last year, we talked about Subaraya winning their court case. Which is which awesome. Is huge news for them, too. Uh, and because they've won their court case, they can finally start really promoting Ultraman in America. I think that's why people in America don't know anything about Ultraman, honestly. Absolutely. Because, like, I will be like, hey, so I love Ultraman and Godzilla, and people will lose Ultraman. Yeah. I, you you have a very small subsect of fans yeah. who were alive when Ultraman was being broadcast on TV. There was, I mean, I, I saw a broadcast on syndication um, in Japan, but... Here in the States. Here in the States. Originally in 1966. No kidding. I'm, I can't say that for sure, that it was broadcast here in 66, but the original 1966 series sure. was brought over and broadcast in its entirety, which is where you get those dubs from, uh, if you've ever heard those. So those were the original series in English. Yeah. And then sometime later, at some point, Ultra 7 was broadcast, I believe, on TNT. What? With a dub, which I believe was performed by a college theater group from oh, Hawaii. No but I don't kidding. know. I don't know. It's what no it sounds kidding. like to That's me. That's amazing. They like, bruh. Uh, 
It's actually, you know, what's funny is the um, the the dub itself is just terrible. Like, in fact, like I would say, out of everything that I've seen dubbed into English, the actual dub itself is one of the worst things I've ever seen. Just like the quality of the soundtrack, the quality the quality of the translation that they're using, or not the translation. I guess what I would say is the rewriting of the material into English is bizarre and like the things that they say are bizarre and it's worth watching a little bit of it just so you could be like wow that's crazy <laughs> but Worse it's than not that. not it's not like what you would consider to be racially charged dubbing <laughs> like oh, if no. somebody, you know you know what i mean like it's not that. oh okay who i was yeah, like yeah, oh, no, okay no. they're you, not trying to do like japanese like, accents no like when I know you don't like that. <laughs> like when you watch Mothra, the original Mothra from 1961 dubbed into English, you were very like, wow, that's kind of racist. Isn't <laughs> yeah. it? Like, it's not like that. They, they speak like this. They just speak like Americans. It's not, oh, okay. it's the literally the quality of what they're doing. The words that they are saying, wow. I don't think are very good matches to what they filmed. And the sound effects they use when they're in their base, it sounds like a 1960s C list movie for about sci like a sci fi movie about outer space. Like those weird outer space sounds you get in like the 70s, like, yeah. woo, 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 you know, like, yeah, they have that stuff going on in the base all the time. Oh, no, it's that horrible, horrible. It's anyway, very distracting. Anyway. Apparently, Subaraya is going to be working on new dubs for these and producing them so that people can in the States can finally see them. And uh, that includes Ultra Q, Ultraman, and Ultra 7, plus the other stuff. And you're absolutely right. Nobody really knows Ultraman here. No. And I think, that's, I think that's the reason, is because there's a small group of fans that were able to see it when it was being broadcast. And those people are, you know, older than I am. Well, and then you have fans like me who, like, I like Ultra Q and Ultra Q Dark Fantasy mm. and Neo Ultra Q. So I like, I even like like the more subgenre like of of the Ultraman. Stuff. I'm in that same camp. Yeah, so it's like, and it's a very small camp. Very small camp. <laughs> very and small there's camp. not very many people we can talk about it with. Yeah, the PSC like yeah, it's seriously. probably your it's your fault that I'm actually even into that. <laughs> You know, it's probably my fault that uh, Ultra Q has as many fans as it does in the states. <laughs> I'm just going to say that. I've been talking about this show. For ever since well, like the Ultra second Q year of, of the show of the of the podcast, we but Ultra Q Dark Fantasy is what you definitely introduced me to. Yeah, but not everybody knows about Dark Fantasy. Dark, dark Fantasy is even more obscure. Is it really? Yeah, yeah. Like even among dark, Japanese fans. Yeah, remember what what Konaka said is oh, that Dark right. Fantasy was broadcast on certain channels and it wasn't even available to most of Japan. So like you had to be in a major metropolitan city in order to catch it. And it was also broadcast like in the middle of the night. It's, it's like, it's yeah. more of an adult program. I mean, it's not like, yeah, it's like, not a kitty show. It's not, it's not like, but it's not it's, it's super like a dark. It's, it's a like a like X files, like, but light. Exactly. Yeah. So I get but it. Sometimes it gets dark anyway. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, Ultra Q, yes, we love Ultra Q. Not a lot of people love no Ultra Q. Yeah. The people, I feel like the people that do, like, yeah. they're cool. They get I it. I really want to see, a dub, not a dub, but I would like to see subtitles for Ultra Q the movie. 
That would be awesome. I really, really, really want that. I mean, that's I think that's probably Santa. low priority. That's what I want for Christmas next year. Ultra Santa. <laughs> Ultra Father. Can you please? <laughs> please do this for me. Uh, ultra Mama, please. You just got to put it on your ultra wish list. Yes. Anyway, let's get back to it. Sorry. So they they won this court case. There's going to be an anime series on Netflix. The Netflix series cool. is going to be based on the manga that came out. Not based on the original TV series, but it sort of ties into the original TV series where the son of Shin Hayata yeah. turns into this new fangled Iron Man looking Ultraman. Well, that's what you that's the the evolution of Ultraman. I like it. Yeah. I actually think it looks very cool. The manga looks really cool. As I've been reading it. Yes. However, I am a little worried about <laughs> Godzilla Part 5 <laughs> the, the, style of the animation. The style of animation that they're using is very similar, it's, I would say, to what they're doing yeah. in the Godzilla anime. That hurts my heart. I feel like somewhere I thought somebody said something about 2D animation, but I just i am not convinced Maybe yet. Maybe there's like... Maybe it's kind of like um, SSS Gridman that it has the, there's some 2D stuff that is mixed with the, oh, no, I mean, the screen grabs look. Yeah, I mean, basically, there is a trailer. I haven't even watched the trailer for it. That made me be real. Now, see, some of it absolutely reminds me of the Godzilla anime stuff, you know? Like, it is... Very CGI looking, especially the Ultraman stuff. We already knew that, that mm-hmm. Ultraman was going to be done in CGI, whereas the human stuff is going to be a little more, I 2D. guess you would say, 2D looking. I'm cool with that. I just want it to be... I'm cool with that. I want it to... April to, 1st. This says April 1st. Yeah. We never okay. know. Other sites say sometime 2019, but April April would be cool. Yeah. I think it's funny when things happen on April 1st and... Uh, <laughs> when things happen on April 1st in Japan and people in the States are like, nope, I'm not buying it because it's April 1st. And it's sort of like, yeah, they don't really do April Fool's Day over there in Japan. Oh. But they have been doing it more recently. Like with Shin Godzilla stuff. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so they, they didn't do April Fool's stuff <laughs> until recently, I guess is what I should say. <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how that turns out. The Me Netflix too. anime. Uh, if it's good, that's cool. I cannot imagine it being as awesome as the next subject we're going to talk about. S S S S Gridman. So good. Did I say enough S's? I can't remember. Uh, anyway, it's super sent samurai sentai mm, Gridman. Isn't that what he said? I don't remember. <laughs> There's it's, two. The, it's the nod to the super it's sentai super samurai sentai. super samurai cyber squad. I, is that what it was? I don't think so. It's not an S. I don't see. What? I mean, I'm just kidding. Super. <laughs> I thought I thought one of them was cyber, though. I don't know. Anyway, the whole I'm gonna have a link in the show notes. First up, we're talking about a new anime, which right? is awesome. So I'm gonna first I'm gonna have a link in the show notes to Crunchyroll's episode one. You don't have to have a Crunchyroll account in order to watch it. Yeah, but you can watch. The entire series, I think, right? Well, or it's, up to it's, a certain point. It's simulcasting right now. Okay, so how many episodes? Six. Are, like six episodes. Yeah. Okay, so basically, you can watch them as they're coming out, and they stay on Crunchyroll for a while. Yeah. Gridman is a Subaraya hero, and it's tangentially related to Ultraman. 
It's yeah. in the Ultra universe in terms, how would I say this? It ex- There is an Ultraman that exists, and I think it's an entertainment property in this universe. Agreed. Much in the same way that one of those 1998 Ultraman films that came out on DVD, like I think Dinah, Gaia, whatever yeah. that was, uh, that movie also had the same premise where someone shows up and Ultraman is an entertainment property that's on television and kids have toys of Ultraman, but he's from a dimension where he is Ultraman. And it's, it's like, like Spider-Verse. Yeah, it's sort of an Into the Spider-Verse thing way before that movie came out. Uh, anyway, I think... It's really Gridman, rad. So I've only watched a couple of episodes of Gridman so far. And I will say to the listeners what I told Gretchen earlier, I started watching it on my iPad because it was convenient. And then I realized shortly after the second episode started... I didn't want to watch it on such a small screen because I thought I should watch it on my big screen. So I haven't watched any more of it, but it's very, very well done 2D animation with a little bit of CGI stuff thrown in. Not to the point of where it's excessive and feels like clunky, like Godzilla is. Yeah. But it's, I think it's a nice, it's a, it's a better integration that I've seen in a while. It's one of the nicest love letters that I've seen to tokusatsu and kaiju films and kaiju uh, television in a long time. And I'm even keeping Ultraman Orb in the running because I thought that was a really, really lovely love letter, you know, to the entire genre. Sure. But this is even better. And it's animated. And it's what all of these other animated properties should aspire to be. Mostly 2D animated, classically animated, I think, and with a little bit of CGI thrown in, but no, it is what it is. I'm okay with like the sequences of like when he becomes um, SSS Gridman. Yes. So those sequences make sense to me because he's flying into the, into the television or into the screen and like jumping out of this um, cyber universe with, as a fully formed like Gridman. Yeah. But it's so a, that but makes it's a sense small amount. You're talking about yeah. it's a transformation scene as right. opposed to well, now that he's Ultraman, everything's CGI. So this was done before with um Sailor Moon, the reboot okay. of Sailor Moon. They did the transformation scenes were all in um the CGI kind of style of like I've get I can't remember what it's called. There's like a term for it. Cell shading. Uh, is that what it is? I think it is. Okay. Well, when this happened, like the fans were like, they were like, heck no. <laughs> that was that was my uh, PG version of what the fans said. <laughs> sure. Thanks for keeping it family friendly. Heck yeah. <laughs> so they were like, heck no. And unfortunately, that first season of Sailor Moon didn't do so well. Okay. They learned from that and then created better, like did the CGI better in smaller amounts. And so it wasn't like choking you out with... <laughs> so much CD. Can we please start using that <laughs> phrase when describing the Godzilla anime films as being choked out by CGI? Is that a family-friendly term? Yeah, choked okay. out. It's like a you know, like it's wrestling. A wrestling or a fighting term. Anyway, <laughs> yes, the 2D anime was choked out of the Godzilla series. So it is anyway. Gridman doesn't have that problem at all. Everything about Gridman Fantastic. is pretty awesome. 
um, that I, and I've just seen a little bit of it. So I highly suggest you go check it out for what it is. It's getting rave reviews from some pretty well-known voices in, in the Kaiju fandom. So definitely worth checking out. I'll have a link in the show notes to Crunchyroll. And if you want to know about the origins of Gridman, because Gretchen and I watched it, there is a guy from Ono Anime, and he did a fantastic job of done, dude. throwing a ton of information into this video. I think it's only like seven or eight minutes long. It's like long. seven minutes long. It was great. I felt like, at the end of it, I felt like Neo in the Matrix, like, whoa, I know Kung Fu. <laughs> like, whoa, I know Gridman. Uh, except all of that has totally sifted out of my brain now that we've talked about the DNA exhibit and now this other stuff. But the history of Gridman is interesting and definitely worth checking out. Samurai Sentai. I can't remember. <laughs> I don't even want to look it up because <laughs> the American version of Gridman, Sad. it looks ridiculous. I would watch an episode of but that. But it has a Lawrence. It has, yeah. <laughs> Mickey Lawrence? I don't even remember the kid's name. Joey Lawrence's little brother. Yeah. Whatever that kid's name. Is that the kid that goes, whoa? Yes. From Blossom? Yes. Yes. Okay, but his brother, his younger brother, is yes. in the American Gridman show. Okay. Well, let's stop talking about Gridman, which was a really cool, and I can't wait to finish it. Uh, let's talk about this next item on the agenda, this Ultraman convention. You know... The one thing that I will say about Subaraya is they really do love a press release. And I feel like over the past year, they've put out a lot of press releases that contain very little information. They're so very excited. On their website, <laughs> they're just too excited. <laughs> they're like, they're so excited. They're like, oh, we're having a convention. Here, send it out. It's good. It's good. We don't need to include any information about when it is, where it is, any they're of that excited. stuff. They got their license back. They're so excited, they're just blurting out press releases. <laughs> anyway, Ultraman Ultra Heroes Expo begined, begined, <laughs> Ultraman Ultra Heroes Expo began December 29th in Japan, and it only goes until tomorrow, January 6th, a very short event. Sorry if you're in Japan. Yeah, sorry if you didn't catch this news before, but I was actually looking for it. I yeah. saw this press announcement on the actual Super Aya website. I'm like, ooh, Ultra Convention, winter of 2019. What is it? Where is it? What is Where? the details? And there were no details available. So on Sci-Fi Japan, there are details available, but you can't even go. Because I think actually right now it's already Sunday in Japan. <laughs> so yeah. you're never going to get the information in time. They basically had Ultraman R&B stuff. They had some of uh, the... R&B cast there. That's the R&B cast. Oh, yeah. Cast. That's not the Jeed cast at all. And so what's this it's a, yellow? It's a, it's a whole bunch of what's stuff. What's the yellow ranger? It's, it's a figure. It says oh. it's a clear gold version. Oh. Bandai does not have any hesitation to create a translucent version of any of their figures for a little extra scratch. I, I, I can appreciate that. I have one of their translucent <laughs> figures. I have several <laughs> in the case behind me. I wouldn't ever hold that against them, but... <laughs> Uh, I don't know anything about Ultraman R&B yet. As I've said before, Ultraman G didn't really do it for me. So I sort of like lost track of where Ultraman was going. And they this new ladies. R&B stuff. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's all sorts ultra of ladies in there's this. all sorts of cool stuff about this. I need to get back into it. But basically, Ultraman Expo 2019 has already <laughs> happened now. I'm not sure if it was cool or not, but it could be. Anyway, so that's something that if they ever do again, I really hope they decide to tell more people about what's happening before it happens. 
Like when somebody announces something, they say winter of 2019. Like, okay. I'm like, oh, uh, that's, that's a pretty wide spread of dates there. That's like, December through February. Yeah. Like what, when is it going to be? And, you know, I'm going back to Japan in February, so I'm like, oh, is it going to be when I'm going to be there? That'd be kind of cool, but it doesn't look like it is. It is not. And that's okay. Uh, I'll have a link in the show notes to Sci-Fi Japan's one article about that expo. <laughs> that's all Maybe right. there will be an article job, later Sci-Fi on Japan. that says, like, what happened and if it was any fun. Uh, but we're going to go ahead and move along to the Ultra Archives, the Ultraman yeah. Archives, technically. And this is another one of those press announcements that they first made. And I was like, what? What is this? I don't know what it is. I couldn't figure out what the Ultraman archives meant. Finally, there is information. And there will be a Blu-ray release, Blu-ray and DVD set release, for Ultra Q episode 19 that will be on sale next month in Japan. And this is one of those things where I hate that I don't speak Japanese. Because it's one DVD dedicated to one episode. Why? Because they're showcasing everything that's awesome about this episode. So this not it's got the actual show in black and white. They've got the colorized version also on it. And then they have a ton of extra features. Interviews with cast, crew, uh, talking about the direction, the production, the creation. A critical essay What's- on this episode. What was so standout-ish about um, episode 19? I jogged my memory. That's what you'll have to buy the uh, DVD for, Gretchen. No, uh, the episode is challenged from the year 2020. And to be perfectly honest, oh. I don't remember everything that happened in Ultra Q. But if I just look it up, I think this is the... Oh, this is the one with Kemmer Sajin. Yeah, so this is the appearance of... A brand new alien? I don't know. It's it is a good episode. Do you think it's because of like 2020 so close by, and that's the only episode that's focused on a date? Maybe it seems like not though. I don't think that would be why. Off the top of my head, but again, I don't know. I'm just theorizing. Yeah, we should I ask would... um, what's his name, who's uh the expert on this. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, yeah. Hey, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, but I actually, you know, I'm hoping that uh, I can actually get somebody from Subaraya on the show at some point That'd to talk cool. about all the cool things that they have going on, including the Ultraman archives. I think they're going to continue doing this. So, you know, the only barrier for me is that language. That's I don't some speak good cash it. to be making one Blu-ray per episode. Yeah, and Blu-rays in Japan are not cheap. I want to say this is still forty dollars. What? Yeah, what yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. But that's what they're doing, and that's how they're they're approaching this project. And I'm looking forward to seeing what else they do, what else they showcase, and why they do it. Moving along, though, we're going to talk just a little bit about this because I don't know much about it. There is a Subaraya <laughs> Museum opening up in Japan this month. Actually, I think in uh, next week it's opening huh. in, in Fukushima, right? So Subaraya was originally born in Fukushima. Yeah. And so right in his birth town, they have some Ultraman statues that they oh, put cool. up recently, like within the past like five or six years, I think. And now they have a museum opening. And the museum looks amazing. Well, they're trying to draw back tourism to Fukushima, too. Make sure people know that they're it's doing safe. That. As long as it's safe, I'm cool with it. You it's know? totally safe. Uh, I've been to Fukushima Prefecture. I have not been to where the damage happened. It's a big prefecture, so there's a lot of space. Yeah. It's not like just going to that prefecture means you're entering 
nuclear territory. Nah. Anyway, so they've got this museum opening, and unfortunately, I just don't have a lot of details about it yet, but we're going to hear from Ed Holland, I hope, during the uh, emergency broadcast about the opening of this museum. The one thing that I know for sure is that there is a 1954 Godzilla suit that was built very recently, designed by a very famous sculptor in Japan, Yuji Sakai, and it is a gorgeous suit that looks exactly like the original from 1954. They had it walking around at his birthday in uh, in November, and now it's going to be on display at this Subaraya Museum. How's that look? Amazing. Yeah? Amazing. Because I know, like, 1954 Godzilla is a little, like, like I've said in the past, like, kind of cookie monstery in aspects. But it looks exactly like so it, what you see oh, on that's screen. Cool. That's cool. I'll show cool. you a picture. Yeah, please do. Because, actually, I'll do it right now. Because I can bring it up while I'm talking about it. Because my buddy Ed sent me a picture of that actual suit. I mean, I'm excited to see it because I will go up to Heck Fukushima yeah. to see that. But here's the Oh, head. yeah. He's totally adorable. It looks exactly like oh, the 54 cute. suit. Anyway, so that's uh, that's on display. They're, I'm sure going to have a ton of other stuff on display. Uh, looking forward to hearing I'm the mission the report puppet. from Ed. The what puppet. That's what the puppet. That's what looks more cookie monstery than the. The puppet definitely looks cookie monstery for sure. But yeah. you know, from certain angles, those eyes, yeah, kind of look like googly eyes. Yeah, everybody says that about Shin too. Just saying. They're not wrong though. No, I mean, it's beautiful, <laughs> and magical in every way. Nothing is wrong with. Okay, so we're gonna go ahead and talk about more because I don't have anything to share. Hopefully, actually, I can find a link to something. It says about something about the museum. Like, Maybe seriously, go. I would search for Subaraya Museum, Fukushima. I would expect to come up with a bunch of web articles and stuff. But no, Google hates me for some reason. Try your Google Japan search. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to try searching in Japanese next. Ta-da! Uh, let's talk about something amazing. Just, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> There is a promotion with Japan Airlines. Actually, Japan Transocean Air uh, is doing mm. this flight to Okinawa from Japan that features... It's an Ultraman plane. It's a plane is decorated... It? It's a jet plane decorated like with Ultraman. Is it like... No, it's terrible. It's terrible. It's terrible. It's like such a wasted opportunity. It's like a magnet that like, stuck on the side. Dude, if you're going to design a jet to look like Ultraman, they hired the wrong guy. So, I'm did available. you see the... Subaraya, um... I am available <laughs> for your next jet project. Did you see the Hello Kitty um, Shinkansen? Wasn't it completely wrapped in colors and it stuff? It was amazing and beautiful and looks like Hello Kitty. Uh, why isn't that person making airplane design? So, so just for the listeners, if you're going to click on the link, you're going to see what looks like a standard jet, a passenger jet with a rectangular image of Ultraman on the canopy. I don't know what you call that. The flight. Yeah. The outside of the plane. It's not it's good. It's so boring. I saw the headline. I'm like, this looks, this sounds amazing. I clicked on the picture. <laughs> 
I thought it was like a joke just article you sent me for this research. It seems like it. Because it's so... Jokes on us. Jokes on us. Jokes on us. Like, I could design a better... I can't even draw, and I could design a better... <laughs> like, ultraviolet plane. My ultraviolet plane would be silver with yellow front lights, with red trim, pinstriping maybe, with some blue... Yeah. Sure, my, my plane would be... A silver jet with basically the design of Ultraman, the red design yeah. of Ultraman's costume draping the plane, basically. There you go. It would be amazing. It would be amazing, but I'm not the guy they hired. So the Ultra Jet to Okinawa is operating right now. Started operating on October 30th and is going through April 30th. So if you want to fly down to Okinawa while you're oh. in Japan, I see why now, because it says right here that Okinawa is the birthplace of the late Tetsu Kinjo, um, the screenwriter who was instrumental in writing the, he wrote the Ultimate, the, the Ultraman series. Oh, the original Ultraman series. Right. Cool. So that makes sense that they would have a plane, but you would think it'd be a better, if they were this, if it was this important to this screenwriter's image or screenwriter's like, like memorial well it sounds like Wouldn't it was it be yeah from better the, it should be from the 60s 6 series but anyway oh well the ultraman jet who are we we operating. are two people yeah. in the u.s we're just two weebs <laughs> <laughs> two kaiju weebs uh so it's operating until october 29th or from october 30th until april 30th so you only got a few more months to <laughs> book your flight on this uh poorly designed jet Maybe the inside is awesome. Maybe it's hey, like all yeah, like, that would be maybe awesome. Maybe like super vintage on the inside and look like... One can hope. Right? One can hope. Maybe it'll look like on Science Patrol. <laughs> maybe that everybody's would, wearing Science Patrol outfits. That would be awesome. Right? That would be awesome. All these stewardesses come off Science Patrol outfits. Adorable. Okay, I'm liking what I'm hearing. So let's just go ahead and design the Subaraya <laughs> Airlines because I think this is the way to make money in the future. Yes. If it was like the, still in the 60s, Subaraya Airlines. Anyway, uh, we're going to go ahead and move along to our next oh. item. <laughs> I can already tell Gretchen's super excited to talk about this. Uh, <clears throat> if the Gridman and anime series coming to Netflix were... Uh, Subaraya appealing to the older generation of fans. <laughs> Kaiju Step is a series of cartoons and songs and illustrations and so, books hmm. aimed at children. And so the premise of this concept is that little kids will will. Sure. see themselves in these little kid versions of monsters. Well, just like any little kid probably in Japan at that time during the 60s was like, I'm going to be Ultraman, right? Sure, yeah. So maybe that's what we're trying to revision here. I don't know, but, but as the kaiju, there's no Ultraman. <laughs> no, there, it's, all, the it's kaiju. all about the kaiju. You know, I got to say guts. what I will say uh, in, in a positive voice about this particular project is this is one of many many ultra projects sure. that focus on the monsters as opposed to focusing on the heroes right and i'm always interested in how japan is portraying these monsters there's a whole series i don't can't remember the name of it where uh i actually watched an episode with two monsters sitting down i think fishing cool and just talking but i couldn't understand them because i don't speak japanese but wow. the, it's like they're personifying these monsters as humans 
as humans are, almost. They're aliens that have come here. They took a bad turn. Not all of them are aliens, though. Well, some of them are created. Gamora, he's an alien. I mean, he's a kaiju, you know? Well, they got Dada. Dada's an alien. Yes, or there are one. aliens. I'm not saying there aren't aliens, but I'm saying, like, there's, you know, there's aliens, there's, there's super, kaiju, there's super cute guys on here. I mean, honestly, on my DNA level, I'm like, I love how cute and kawaii they are. However, I watched the video and Oh yeah. We're not gonna share the video with you guys. Full of regretsy. <laughs> it's not it's not terrible, but at the same it's time, terrible. I don't know why I don't know. I don't see the so, appeal. When our children were young, they had the wiggles. I don't <laughs> No. <laughs> my son did. Yeah, my, my son listened to the Wiggles. My, and anybody who doesn't know what Wiggles are, I'm sorry if I even put this in your brain. But this is like Japan's version of the Wiggles, kind of. Okay. If they seem to be teaching you like about exercise and things like that, because like the little song is about like moving and whatnot. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, I'm thinking yeah. of what they're putting down. Sure, sure. Toddler. And I'm not against it by any. I mean, it's first just, up, I'm always into training the new generation right? of kaiju fans. Right. Anyway, we'll have a link in the it's show notes to the Sci-Fi Japan article website for Kaiju Step, which is definitely not for you us. You guys should make Kyle do the Kaiju Step at G Fest. Oh, you know what? I'm sure other people are going to have that covered. You don't need me to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Another Subaraya property, Red Man, Woo! has recently been created as a comic book series by Mr. Matt Frank, one of the guests for the emergency broadcast. And Red Man Volume 2 is up for pre-order on the website that I will have a link in the show notes to. So if you liked Red Man Volume 1, which, first up, if you haven't seen it, Definitely check out the episode, the emergency broadcast that we will have uh, Matt Frank on next week. But I think everybody should see what Red Man is about because it is nuts. It's pretty violent and awesome. Well, the original show is also violent. Yeah, it is. Less awesome, though. Agreed. Like it's what very, you showed me video-wise, I was like, yeah, oh, that's yeah. Red Man. <laughs> it's one of those things where I'm like, I don't really see the appeal. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But as uh, I heard Shinji Higuchi say, the director of Shin Godzilla, when he was younger, he liked Ultraman, but he preferred this other Ultra show that was where they compacted all the fights into like one shorter show. He liked that more because it was more powerful. So Red Man, I can see people who like that. Yeah. More compact tighter smaller episodes that it's just all about the kaiju action like zone fighter sure but but even zone fighter is a full 20 minute episode that's show. true red man is like every episode's like five minutes that's true and then there's those other ones that are like spinoff of red green man yeah yeah god man okay same deal Word. yeah 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 anyway red man is very interesting volume one of the comic goes into it actually in the back as sort of a special features section Really, really cool. And if you have not checked it out, you can also order Volume 1, I believe, from this website. But Volume 2 is just coming out right now, and I cannot wait to check it out because, really, Volume 1 was, like, way, way, way better than uh, than Red Man should ever have been based off of what happened in the 1970s show. Yeah, Matt Frank did an incredible job with that comic. So check it out. Uh, we'll move along to Toei's 
Tokusatsu fan club series, Kaiju Ward Gyalas. I'm so excited for this. I this was not on my radar until we did this to this broadcast. It literally just came up in it's my feed just amazing. the other day. Amazing. Amazing. Super cool stuff. So uh, I don't know what to say about it, really. It looks like there's a human who has a deep, deep connection with a kaiju called Gallus. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's like a bird. Yeah. I don't I, You should just watch it. You should just watch yeah. this trailer. It's not subtitled, but it's, I don't think you need subs to, to enjoy no. what's going on. And then we got those like, what are they? Tengu girls. Yeah. Like, the, yes. Yeah, yeah. They have like uh like Raven girls and anyway, it's super cool looking, looks dark, looks yeah. like it could be very, very fun. And it's from Toei. Toei has no uh Toei has a long history with creating Tokusatsu's TV shows. So I cannot yeah. wait to see how this is gonna turn out. Moving along to the next item, something I'm not as enthused to talk about because I don't really understand it is <laughs> The Great Buddha Arrival has a trailer. It, it looks cool. It does look cool, but at the same time, I like I said, I just don't understand how they're going to pull this off and make it interesting. Yeah. The Great Buddha Arrival project has been ongoing for some time. It was it's it's like backed by people, right? Yeah, it's, it's like not, it's like a crowdfunded, it's crowdfunded. thing and uh they've basically like slowly but surely they have made little marks of progress and each one that they make is sort of bigger than the one before and it sort of makes the following one even bigger too so akira takarada was brought on to be part of the project totally Uh, need to see it based on the fact that like who it's it's like lineage and it's genealogy yes and i understand all those things i'm I'm not sure like how that's going to yeah it's probably it's gonna be completely out of our depth but i think it's definitely gonna be one of those movies where I'm going to have to watch it and then watch it again and maybe watch it again. Because as I mentioned to you earlier, I don't really know much about Buddhism at all. It's a concept that I'm cool with, man. But like, I know about Buddhism to to the extent of like my husband was a Buddhist monk for one for a little while. But I don't know how much Buddhism is going to come into play. Like the trailer is not really that much of a trailer. You basically see the great Buddha, Moving Walking through, through city, and then yeah. like the sutras are being um like overly chanted, and it's kind of cool because it's like as he's passing through the city, mm-hmm. you it's you don't see any damage happening because it's Buddha man is not gonna damage things, and then the sutras are all like yeah. like around. It's super cool. It looking. is super cool looking, but like at the same time, like, like I why? just. <laughs> I, so if you, if you aren't aware, The Great Buddha was one of the earliest kaiju films yeah. ever made. And I think that's what they're trying to go for. it's a lost film. It's a nostalgia yeah, thing. Exactly. So they're, they're, they're trying to resurrect The Great Buddha in a sense. That's cool. I've, I'm down with it. I'm down with it too. I'm skeptical. Yeah. Skeptical. But that's I'm because a lot of- I'm skeptical about Netflix Godzilla 3 <laughs> than I am about The Great Buddha. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Yeah, I think that uh, generally I think that there have been some very good efforts from fans recently. So I'm hoping this is one of those good efforts from a fan kind of movies. And it turns out fun and cool. I and, hope so. And uh, that we end up talking about it for years and years because it's such a monumental entry in the kaiju genre. Or the uh, tokusatsu genre, maybe I should say. Uh, 
let's go ahead and move along from our regular news to some catastrophic events. Tell us about it, Kyle Sama. Well, uh, we will talk a little bit about. Uh, actually, let me let me first talk about an event that it only went on for a year. It was a pop up event that happened in Japan. I found out about it right after I left Japan in 2018, and which was in January. Again, there for work. And uh, there is this maid cafe. If you're familiar with maid cafes, <laughs> and I don't want to go into it too much because I don't want to offend anybody that like likes maid cafes. They are what they are. They are what they are, dude. They're not my deal, but uh, maid cafes are a thing in Japan where generally dudes will go and get served by women and they're in maid outfits. They're very and they're very gentle and kawaii and they're sometimes different personalities. I get all those things. Yeah, I, I mean, and I, I took don't my have son for a 16th it. birthday to Maid Cafe in Tokyo. I don't have any issues with a Maid Cafe. I actually want to go to a regular Maid Cafe at some point, but there was a kaiju themed Maid Cafe Can't not called go. Kaiju Musume. And I was like, I've got to see this because <laughs> I follow them on Instagram. So I've seen videos and stuff from their Instagram stories and I've seen posts that they've done, but. I've never seen any of the American fans talking about going to this thing. So while I was in Japan, I went. I think Americans might think it's like strip club things. But it's not. I know. I'm just saying. But I think like I don't. I The impression I get is people think it's like a well, subculture thing. I would imagine if it was really touted as being like a maid cafe, somebody would <sighs> think that. But it's called uh, Kaiju Musume. They gotcha. don't ever say maid cafe yeah. in English at least. Right. And the only reason I even knew it was a maid cafe is because... There are girls there that are in costume. They're not in the full kaiju suits. They're in sort of like, oh, it's a humanization project that we've talked about on the on the podcast where they take monsters and make them into girls. Yeah, like kaiju girls, but... Like kaiju girls. Like when the kaiju girls in the cartoon sort of power up. Yeah, that yeah. That version of them. You gotcha. Know? The sexy version. Yeah, or, you know, the not... <laughs> the the, the <laughs> not chibi version. <laughs> anyway, so the these girls... There are a number of kaiju girls. The one that was working the night I went was King Joe. Cool. <laughs> yeah, the experience left a lot to be desired. I'm sure it didn't help that I went on a Monday. Yeah. But the coolest part about the entire experience was walking up to the door and there was a Pigmon statue on display. Like, I put my arm around it, gave it a little kiss on video. So uh, mm -hmm. that was cool. The food was a little spendy. <laughs> Dude, maid cafes are expensive. You're not yeah. there for the food. Yeah, true, true. We had a pizza and two drinks that were definitely not alcoholic. Woo, but I had a Pigmon drink and uh, my friend <sighs> had an Ella King drink. Did you get to keep like your cups and things like that? It was like... Nope. No? <laughs> no. Lame. I think you got to keep coasters, but I think uh, when we were done, I was like, yeah. I'm done. And we just walked out of there. Like paid and walked Dang. out, basically. It was really... It, it, had, like the service? it had potential. There was no service. Oh, like see, that's the thing about maid cafes. I know. Supposed to be like that's why I was like the Sama thing is like they're totally supposed to be like you walk in the door. You, you got to explain what that means to the listeners who have no what, idea what you're talking about. Let Sama like master. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of times, like the appeal and some of the draw for these are, ooh, this is like treacherous territory. How about this? I, I'll help. So. The draw is that you're being served, you're essentially. Like, These hand, women are there yeah. to give you attention, give you what you... Absolutely. What you want Laugh from... Jokes. The, from the... Exactly. 
Yeah. Make you feel important. Make yes. you feel like, like special. And you they know? call you Sama if you're a man, usually. They don't usually call the women Sama. Okay. They usually call them like Hime or something like that. So like, like Sama is master. Right. Sensei is teacher. Sama is master. Yeah. This San is more like is master. It's not more like, te- it's not like a, like a senpai um, kohai. It's more like. Mm-hmm. Sama, like master and servant yeah. kind of thing. Goji Sama. Goji Sama. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I was disappointed that there wasn't more of that. Oh, see, if it had there was been only, like that. Right. There was only one girl on uh, staff that night, which, again, I know we went on a Monday. You got but, the Sunday, like, yeah, we staff. Got, we got the, <laughs> sorry, guys. We're uh, It's a Monday. <sighs> We only, wait on you. only King Joe could come. And basically, I think they kind of were like, oh, gaijin, you know, foreigners, they don't speak Japanese. So, yeah, there was literally, they took our order and that was it. The girl took our order and that was it. Haunt yeah, me. it was a little disappointing. That's Because funny. I was, I was honestly, I was going to make a cool video. I was going to make a YouTube video for it. Yeah. I'm here at Kaiju Musume, blah, 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 you know, but no. In the long run, I was like, this is not worth it. So oh, I man. shot footage, but it is, it won't go anywhere. Yeah. I mean, it was on your Instagram story. <laughs> yeah, that's about that was that once I realized how disappointing Kaiju Musue was, yeah. That's when I was like, I'm just gonna put this on Instagram. Okay. I got off on a tangent there because Sorry. that was an event that happened. No, I I think the people will like it. It was catastrophic in the sense that they were like God, it was catastrophic. ignored him. <laughs> I was feeling ignored. Wow, that makes me sound like a terrible man. <laughs> anyway, not Sama. the uh, so not Sama. The reason I brought that up is because that was an event that happened in Japan. You couldn't see that anywhere else, and yeah. so we've got a couple more of those. Another thing I wanted to talk about is an event that's happening now. Started in December and uh, is going through the twenty seventh of this month. Ultraman Music Cafe. Um, I really don't know what to say about this. The page is very red, very red, but it's almost entirely a graphic. So it's hard to translate. Yeah. You have to like do Google translate over it. And it's kind of crazy. Uh, Ultraman music cafe sounds like something that could be cool. Unfortunately, it's going to be gone by the time I get there. I did not get to go this time because it sort of started in the middle of my trip. And by the time the 13th, Came around, man. We were doing all sorts of stuff. Yeah, it's like it looks like it's near Akihabara Station. Yep, so it's in cool. the Akihabara area. I'll be including a link in the show notes to this website. Cool. Uh, where hopefully, if you're interested in going, it's there till the 27th. And uh, I'm really, if you go, please tell me what what it was like because <laughs> Did you get a record. We a lot of know. these, a lot of these things, they're not getting covered by people who live there that speak English. Tell you what, Gretchen, if I ever move to Japan, I will fix that problem. Right on. Anyway, before that happens, though, the Ultraman Music Cafe will be long gone. But you can read all about it, I think, if you can read Japanese, uh, in the show show notes link that I will be posting. (laughs) There's only one more event to talk about, at least it's happening in Japan, and that... Gretchen is the Godzilla Strawberry Brunch. How is that catastrophic? That's amazing. Well, I think it would be catastrophic to miss it. My health. It looks amazing. Right? Godzilla's got a arteries. strawberry in his hand. It's yeah. a shortcake on him. So strawberries are a huge deal in Japan. They're in season. That time period, yes. In the winter. Yeah. Whereas in the, they're a summer food right here. But in the States, they're a summer food. But in Japan, they're a winter food. 
And so definitely there will be a link in the show notes to this so you can see it. But we delightly announced the upcoming new themed lunch buffet, Ichi Gojira, that Ichi collaborates Gojira. with Toho Company Limited, commemorating the release of Godzilla King of the Monsters on May 31st, 2019. I think they what? might have that date wrong. Uh, their location in Shinagawa, I believe, is the place that Godzilla first landed in 1954, and to celebrate Godzilla's 65th anniversary, their executive pastry chef, Takashi Suzuki, has created Godzilla-themed strawberry desserts. You can also enjoy taking pictures with a two-meter-high Godzilla figure and the movie trailer, Godzilla King of the Monsters. So you're going to get your buddy Gretchen some, <laughs> some omiyagi, well, first like up, macaroons let me say, place. if I do go to this... It will be a lucrative decision to do so because tickets are $50. Holy camoly. And that's the weekday is 5,000 yen for a weekday ticket. And you have to have Weekend a Weekend ticket is 6,000 yen. So, it's But it's like all you can expensive. eat. It's expensive, but I'd like... Anyway, there's a whole bunch of food on here. You should it's check it out if you're eat. interested. Uh, <laughs> lots and lots of strawberries. <laughs> And I would like Ichigo Daifuku. And your Chibi Gojira will be Bye there boy. as well. <laughs> Bye, kawaii desne boy. Anyway, that's a really interesting for me because I really love strawberries. I'm I really excited love for you. You want me to go? I, I can really tell. want you to go. <laughs> Not only to give me a Miyagi, just saying. <laughs> <laughs> hey, people just want me to bring stuff back for them. That's anyway, all we use you for. That's it. I'm just the. I'm just a tool. You're the mule. Ooh, the kaiju mule. <laughs> That's terrifying. I'm glad I'm not really the kaiju mule. And uh, The only other uh, catastrophic this. event that I need to bring up is something that celebrity icons shared with me. At the end of this month, January 25th through 27th, celebrity icons is helping bring Sutomo Kitagawa and Ben Furuya that's your it, best friend. Yeah, to Atlanta's Days of the Dead celebration. He's going to roller skate through. <laughs> Nobody tell Ben Furuya that we're talking about him roller skating through the podcast as a segue creation. He's adorable. That would have to be something that we do in the videos. Especially with his like, red striped shirt with his little jean jacket. Dude, he's awesome. I ben know. Furuya is so rad. Anyway, if you're in Atlanta, you should go see Ben Furuya because he's awesome. He's and really cool. And Tsutomo Kitagawa is also awesome and an awesome artist. And the two of them together is going to be an impactful event. And if you've never been able to meet these guys... That's a great way for you to do it at one of these shows. Yeah. Man, I love seeing these guys. Well, at meeting the shows. them at Monsterpalooza for me was like, that was my first time meeting all of those guys. And so it was like Kitagawa, um, Furia, and then Nishikawa. Uh, too, Nishikawa. Yeah. And then Wakasa uh, was Wakasa. there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was like, I I couldn't barely even talk. And I was trying to get like Kyle to introduce me. And uh, I didn't, we, we were just kind of convoluted. And I'm all like, tell him I'm your friend. Tell him I'm your friend. <laughs> And that, we talked about that before, though. Oh, we did? Yeah, we did. Oh, okay. Sorry. This is an old <laughs> conversation. But the deal is, these are the best places for you to get a They're chance more hands-on, and you can, they're more intimate. Yeah, you can take some time and actually talk with them. If you, if you can do it when there's actually somebody there that can speak Japanese to them, that's when it's best, obviously. But yeah. a lot, I see a lot of people with huge smiles on their faces after totally. they get their stuff signed. Anyway, check that out. I'll have a link in the show notes to the Days of the Dead website where you can get your tickets for that Atlanta convention happening January 25th through the 27th. 
Uh, there you go. That is the episode. We've all got all the news covered for this episode. Hopefully you learned a whole lot of stuff and uh, you'll follow all those really helpful links in the show notes to all these super cool articles that we decided were ripe for the picking. Gretchen, thank you so much for being here thank and talking about the me. DNA exhibit and talking about all this awesome news to cover. And not awesome news like Jets. <laughs> oh, ooh, I'm going to use that as a segue. Uh, so unfortunately, some not awesome news is that a fellow Godzilla fan that a lot of people uh, really loved from seeing him every year at G-Fest, Brent Young passed away earlier this year after a very difficult battle with some health complications. Mm. And so it's a very sad time for me. Uh, I spent a lot of time looking over his obituary where people online were uh, posting all sorts of really lovely comments about the man. He really was a delight to have at G-Fest. He was a bright point for me, specifically at the convention. I mean, the convention's amazing and I love it, but not having Brent there is going to be a little hard in certain aspects. And so because of that, we're going to have a moment of silence for Brent. And we're going to play a track from one of his favorite movies, King Kong vs. Godzilla. We'll see you for the live episode next week. Until then, Jamata. Jamata. 